everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. How many people in here know how to shoot a layup? How many people have never heard of a layup before? A few. A layup is a basic shot, and I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk to you about a layup. I want to teach you how to shoot a layup. A layup is a very easy shot on one hand. It's also a foundational shot. If you can shoot a layup, you can do a lot of stuff offensively when it comes to basketball. Years ago, my father taught me how to shoot a layup. So when you shoot a layup, you have to have some coordination. You have to have some footwork. You have to have some timing. Basically, if you're right-handed, and most of us are right-handed, if you're left-handed, you're southpaw, the same thing happens on the left side, but I'm gonna teach you from the right side how to shoot a proper layup. It's shocking. In fact, it's astounding because a lot of people don't know how to shoot a layup, even college basketball players. Now and then I'll see them, they don't have the correct form. Let me show you how to do this because I used to do a lot of basketball camps and I've talked to a lot of people about it and I've shot a lot of layups in my life, especially at Florida State. I I led the country in scoring, warm-ups scoring, hashtag hashtag shooting layups. Anyway, you shoot a layup like this. You take a dribble, let's just start right here for demonstrative purposes. You take a dribble, okay. Then you take a step, so you, you wanna lift the leg that you're, you're favoring or that is your good hand. So I'm right-handed and pretend like a string is from my right side all the way down to my leg. I go up and shoot the ball. Thank you. When you're shooting a layup, you have to look, you have to concentrate on the white square. See the white square up there? So if I hit the square, being on the right side, on the right edge, it'll pretty much go in every time. If I'm on the left side, for those, who, who in here, if, if, you're, if you're a southpaw, left-handed, lift your hand. Yeah, the most creative people are left-handed. That's true, true. So the, the left side, same thing. A layup, though, is something that is fundamental. So you're playing basketball and you have a shot for a wide open layup, you just simply take it and score. It's a layup. Footwork, follow through. One of the big mistakes people make, and this even happens again when you watch television, when you shoot a layup, too many people put their hand, I'm getting a little bit technical, under the ball. Now, obviously, there are times when you can put your hand under the ball and shoot a layup, you know, or a scoop shot or whatever. But you want to have your hand behind the basketball when you shoot a layup. Why? Rarely do you have a wide open layup. Now and then you will. Usually you have someone defending you, an opponent. So, when you have your hand behind the ball, if the opponent puts his or her hand in your face, maybe they bump you a little bit, you can reset the ball 
see, and still get a shot off. If you do this and they try to block it, I mean, you're stuck in no man's land. Are you feeling me? Did you learn something today? I doubt seriously when you were driving to church, you said, man, I need to really work on my layup skills. Hopefully, Ed is going to teach me about shooting a layup. I kind of feel like I'm at basketball camp. I've done so many basketball camps. I love basketball camps. Basketball is a game, too, that you play on your fingertips. You don't like vice grip the ball. You don't use your palm really at all when you play basketball. If you go outside and play, your palm should never be dirty. Only your fingertips. Basketball is a game we play with our fingertips. After Thanksgiving, I was, of course, in Houston with my family. My mother's been sick for the last several, several weeks, and, and uh, we had a great meal. And after the meal, we went into Dad's backyard and played a game of horse. Dad is 80 years old. He looks like he's 40. And, and someone filmed a little bit of us playing horse and look at the layup that he shot. Yeah, there he goes. Watch it. Oh, yeah. Now that, that's my brother. That, it was a difficult shot because Dad shot a layup to try to put me out of the game. Of course, I won. Hashtag humbled. Dad was shooting a layup back here. So here's the great thing about a layup. Once you learn how to do it, if you see great players like Steph Curry, LeBron James, others, they many times will shoot a layup type shot way out here. Everything you learn about a layup, you can build upon it. I'm here to tell you that our great God is a God of the layup. I was shocked, and I began to research this a while back, how many times the phrase layup is used in scripture. I thought to myself, you gotta be kidding. God loves basketball. <laughs> layup, layup all the time. Layup, 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 layup. A layup is foundational. A layup takes coordination. A layup takes concentration. A layup takes consistency. You've gotta do it so much, it's second nature. In 1 Timothy chapter six, the Apostle Paul instructed Timothy to write a word to those who are rich, those who are wealthy. And I love what the text says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. You can see it, and I'll read it. Command those. This is not like a suggestion. It's not like, oh, we can discuss this, or, or, or let me, let me uh, give you my opinion on the matter. Who cares? This is what God says. Command those, those, I like those, those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Isn't it true that we call the rich people those? Yeah, those, the one percenters, the jet setters, the high flyers, the high rollers, the A-listers. And we use phrases like, must be nice, someday, lucky, Wow. And social media exacerbates this. Social media, of course, is a ESPN highlight reel of stuff that's not real. If you think that's real on social media, it's not. I'm guilty of it too. 
sometimes I'll do four or five videos until I get the right video to post that looks the best. It's not real. That's not what I do or you do all the time. It's funny and fun. Don't take it too seriously. However, if you look and if you read too much into social media, and, and, and I can sometimes, I say to myself, wow, they've got it made. Wow, look at their life. Look where they travel. Look what they do. Competition, envy. I have been having some problems recently I wanted to kind of reveal because this is the stage and I thought I would talk about some of these problems. You know, I put my car in reverse um, yesterday and there, were, and there were raindrops on my camera because I put the car in reverse. That was a terrible, terrible problem. Raindrops on that backup camera. <laughs> and then my car... It took my car over a minute to sync up with Bluetooth. That was horrible. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I was in an airport and I had to wait over an hour for a flight. One hour. Terrible. In my second fridge, I walked in the other day, opened it, and <laughs> it was packed with stuff. Horrible, terrible problems. Sprinkler system wasn't working right a while back, and patch in the yard was kind of brown. I've got some serious problems. I need an upgrade on my phone, too. That's a problem. Just my phone's overrated. Just You see what I described to you? First world problems, right? Problems of someone who is rich, because we discovered that pretty much everyone is rich. We read this text last week, and I, I talked about rich people, and you thought I was talking about the one percenters, but then we found out most of us are the one percenters because the top income worldwide globally is, is $32,400. I said that, and a lot of people didn't believe it. And I have numerous sources. You can check it out on the World Wide Web. $32,400. Top 1%, if you make more than that annually, you're in the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. So let's say it, let's, let's just, just make a declaration, call me wealthy. One, two, three, let's say it, call me wealthy. Doesn't sound, you're not saying that with very much conviction. One, two, three, call me wealthy. I'm wealthy, you're wealthy based on a world economy. But here's the problem. We don't feel wealthy. There's this line, there's this, this nebulous line where, where, where someone can cross, and, and, and I guess when we cross that, we go, okay, call me wealthy. What is wealth anyway? I just am kind of pausing here, and I'm going to continue to read 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. Wealth is having more than enough to gratify normal needs. A camera on your car when you put it in reverse, hundreds of channels on the television and you say there's nothing to watch, walk into your closet, oh, I don't have anything to wear. We're rich, okay? Rich is relative, I understand that. Rich is subjective, I dig that. Let's just own it, we are rich. Here's what I've discovered about wealthy people. And when I said this last week, it was very controversial 
but correct. And, and listen to me about wealthy people. I know a number of wealthy people. So do you, because remember, we're all wealthy. I mean, some here make less than $32,400 a year. I understand that, but most of us here are wealthy. I do know some who are like real high rollers, people who have a lot, and you probably know them too. Most of the people I know who are wealthy are great people. Let me say it again. They're, they're good people, great people. But they're not great at being wealthy. Let me say that again. Most people I know who are rich, who have surplus, I like the word surplus. We think the surplus is for us, right? So, so most people I know who are rich aren't good at it. It's not that they're bad people. They're not good at being wealthy. Now, Ed, how can you say that? I mean, I don't believe that. Because the rich people, I mean, the, the, the real rich, you know, the, the uber wealthy, they have companies and corporations and charities and this and that. Again, let me say it. Great people, they do some great things. They're just not great at being wealthy. And here's why. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. Again, I know most of you are wealthy, but let's say you become like uber rich Here's how to be good at it. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so, let's say it together, uncertain. That's a fact, which is so, so, so uncertain. But put their hope, their hope, there it is again, in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. Okay, what does that mean? Oh, we're going to find out. To be rich in good deeds. All right, I'm tracking. And to be generous. Okay. And willing to share. Well, okay, yeah, Ed, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a generous person. I'll sometimes, you know, pick up the check and, you know, I'll throw a bone in the offering plate. Uh, you know, I've, I've bought this table for this charity and, and, you know, I'm always thinking about the other person and, and you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm generous. I, I really am. Okay, 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 good. Good for you. Rah, rah, rah. That's good that you think that way. That's awesome. In this way, verse 19, they will, there's the word, Say it, lay up treasure for themselves as a, there's the fundamentals, firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Lay up so I can, wow, as a rich guy, lay up for myself treasures in heaven, in the next life. Lisa, is not a great basketball player. She's okay. When she was younger, she, I mean, she, she still can jump pretty good, but back in the day, she had some serious hops, and she didn't even know it. She just has not played a lot of basketball. She played for her church league team, though, when she was in high school, and, and don't tell Lisa this story because she's out of town. Well, she's watching this. She's in South Carolina with her mom. She shot at the wrong basket. Everybody died laughing. She was so excited, she got the ball, and she just turned, and she shot at the wrong basket. She missed it. But she shot at the wrong basket. Could it be that a lot of us who were rich, I'm talking to the one percenters, most of us here, could it be that we're shooting at the 
wrong basket? Could it be that we're laying up treasures for ourselves as opposed to laying up treasures for eternity? Laying up treasure for yourself, you're thinking about the here and now. You're thinking about the present world. Timothy comes up to these people in Ephesus. Obviously, some were heavy hitters. They were the upper crusters. And he goes, hey, here is a new, a new concept. You can be rich toward God. You have the opportunity with the blessings of God to do what? To shoot a layup, to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You lay it up and you score. That's what it means to put the ball through the net. So I need to be generous. I need to be willing to share a firm foundation. When I'm generous and willing to share, when I understand that I've been blessed to be a blessing, what happens? Everything in my life can be built off of that. I can show you how to shoot a layup. I can show you how to shoot a layup. And if we practice for a while, you would take that layup and build a lot of things off of that layup. The same is true when it comes to being generous, true generosity, and being willing to share. That's a foundational principle. And God says, I've shown you how to do a layup. You've got a wide open layup. It takes coordination, it takes concentration, and just shoot the layup. It's gonna go through the net. Don't even think about it. Well, well what does it mean to be generous? I'm, I'm a wide guy. Okay, generosity, willing to share, what does that mean? Malachi 3.10 tells us, bring the whole tithe, what's the word tithe? Tithe is 10, 10%. The first 10% of everything you make and I make goes to the house. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. This is my house, right? Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open, are you ready for this, the floodgates of heaven, and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. One of the nicknames for a basketball, I'm spitting here, one of the nicknames for a basketball is a dime. I mean, you got the dime, drop the dime. You know, you're passing, drop the dime, dime, dime. Tithing. A dime on every dollar. It's very simple math. The lamp is very simple to explain. I could even explain it to you. And you guys have not played basketball that much. A few of you have, but I doubt, seriously, a lot of you play basketball. So it's simple. It takes coordination. It takes concentration. I lay up at least 10%. And I love what the writer says. He doesn't say, give it. He doesn't say, it's you or, no, no. We bring it. We bring it. When you play basketball uh, at, a, at a gymnasium, you play on the junior high level, high school level, college level, NBA, the team doesn't own the basketball. The organization that you play in owns the ball. God owns it all. And if you think you own it, you're not gonna take anything with you when you die. I have an opportunity, don't I, to, to, to sync up my heart with my stuff. Last time I, I kind of did a diagram for you. And let me, let me do this again because it helps me 
you have God then you have riches God and riches. You have the slope, that's moguls and everything. We can do a couple of trees and everything here. I'm not a big skier, but the slope of hope. You got you and me. Money coming into our lives. Over 2,500 verses about money in the Bible. Jesus talked more about money than he talked about heaven, than he talked about hell or prayer. Sometimes people go, oh, I can't believe I showed up, fellowship. Ed's talking about money again. Hey. I'm sorry, I'm just giving you what the Bible says. Don't get mad at me. If you wanna get mad, get mad at God or get mad at Jesus. Jesus, though, tells us, and the scriptures tell us, the main competitor for your heart and mine is money. It's money. It all comes back to money. Money's not evil. The root of, 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 of money is we either love it and it messes us up or we understand it's been given to us by God and we can leverage it for greatness. Yet, the test of blessings, the test of this whole thing I'm talking about has to do with the word hope. We hope in God. We orbit our lives around God. We hope in Him and that's hope. The more we get, though, we get heavy. The more you make, the more responsibility. It's the juxtaposition of we need to enjoy our blessings. Don't feel guilty. I mean, don't, don't, don't feel guilty if you drive a Bentley or a Benz or, or a rocket ship, for all I care. Don't, don't, don't be guilty about that as long as you are bringing the first to the house. God says we can enjoy the rest. So we got enjoyment, that's one part of the juxtaposition, and the other, we have this great responsibility. When we are paid, when we are blessed, we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to, to turn our skis down the slopes and ride the slope of hope. Hope migrates like a Spawning salmon. Here's, here's my salmon. And what happens is it migrates from God to riches. Then we find ourselves orbiting our lives, putting our hope in riches which are so uncertain. Does that make sense to everybody? It's so interesting and it's so true because hope 
migrates. We slide down the slippery slope of hope. I was talking to a friend of mine I know through fishing who's a former Olympic downhill skier. And he was telling me about going nearly 100 miles an hour. He goes, I would point my skis downhill and just let it go. When we're blessed, suddenly we can start worshiping the blessings and miss the blessor. Whoa, it's so fun. It's so awesome. It's so amazing. Look how fast I'm going. And the people that I know who are blessed, who are wealthy, it's most of us, and the more wealth we have, wealth equals options, options equal time. Then we think, wow, I'll give a gift, I'll give. <laughs> and, and we think because some gift has all these zeros behind it, that God is like, wow, unbelievable. Look at all those zeros. Whoa, what a transcendent check. <laughs> we, we think that. Jesus was watching people participate in the offering one day. All the high rollers were throwing these, 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 these big offerings into the offering plate. The plate was rattling. Whoa. Everybody was like, whoa, man, that was something. Man, whoa. And then a single woman put just a couple of mites, a couple of, couple of pennies in the plate. Jesus goes, hey, guys, talking to his posse, his boys, right? Hey, guys, 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 that is the greatest offering. When it comes to God's economy, it's not the number of zeros. It's not. It's the percentage it's proportional, it's purposeful, it's passionate. That's a whole sermon right there. I'll, I'll, keep, I'll, keep, I'll keep going. So, so what happens to us is we have more and more, the percentage goes down, we end up throwing just pocket change at God and where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. And if I am a wealthy person, I can travel, I can go here and there and yonder. There's always something that gives me fast, temporary relief for the aches and pains of life. So you see the separation that rich people have from, from God and from his house. And that is what Timothy was driving at. Very, very serious stuff. Then. You know, Jesus talked one day about a bunch of barns. Have you ever played basketball on the side of a barn before? Have you ever like, like, like nailed an old uh, rim up on the back of a barn and played? You didn't have any cement, you just had dirt. I've, I've played in, in uh, uh, um, areas like that before. It's kind of fun, it's truly, it's truly old school. Well, this one cat, he made all this money and he made, he made just money on crops. He had all these crops. and. And, and he said, you know what? My barns are too small. I'm going to tear the barns down and I'm going to make bigger barn, barns for all my stuff because, you know, the extra is for me. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 19 and 21, here's what the guy said, this, this, this farmer. I'll say to myself, you've got plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. 
This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what I prepared for yourself? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not, let's say it together, rich toward God. Again, this whole phraseology, this whole vibe, being rich toward God, rocked the entire community back in the day. I can be rich, you can be rich toward God. And then Jesus said, and, and I have quoted this already, but let me give you the address of this. Matthew chapter six, skip down to verse 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's the layup. Could it be that you're shooting at the wrong basket? Could it be that you are, are, are just holding the rock? That's also another name for, for a, a basketball, the rock. And, and, and could it be you're just holding on to that dime and you think this dime is mine and you're doing what you want to do with it? Well, God's saying, you've got an open layup. Yes, materialism will be there trying to nail you. Yes, greed will try to block your shot. Shoot a layup. It's wide open. And once we shoot the layup, once we have that muscle memory, that consistency, once we're bringing God's offering to the house, everything else is going to be built on that, and we will be absolutely unbelievable. Think about, think about one thing before we go. Think about Christmas. Just for a second, we're all thinking about it. The manger, you could say, was God's offering plate. God gave his tithe. Jesus, first, the manger. Then, of course, Jesus crawled out of the crib, became a man. He voluntarily put his body on the cross. You could say the cross, an offering plate. Then he died. They took his body, put his body in the tomb, an offering plate. Couldn't keep him down, rose again. And now you see the brilliance of God's economy. We have an opportunity to give an offering to God. When I opened up, I talked about dad teaching me how to do a layup. I'm glad for that because it served me well. I was able to go pretty far in basketball. But more importantly, my heavenly father, your heavenly father, has taught you how to shoot a layup. And it will lay up treasures in heaven. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time that we can talk about a layup. And I pray, God, if there's someone here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you, I just pray you would just say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I give you everything I am right now and everything, everything I'll ever become. Maybe some others here need to say, you know what, I'm ready to lay up treasures in heaven. I'm tired of shooting at the wrong basket. I'm tired of being a ball hog. Today is your day. We thank you for this time. In Christ's name, amen. 
Thank you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.